0: Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30 somethings on life my kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you
1: about the curl like dummy twice in a week? And the never ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. Hey, Randy, how are you? You're <laughs> <laughs> such an asshole. But I'm doing all right, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm tired.
0: I'm tired too. Third so, cup of coffee.
1: Third cup. Is it really? Oh, it's my second.
0: In under twenty four hours, yes. It's
1: my second under twenty four hours. I'm I'm tired, man. Not gonna not gonna lie. We're doing this on I don't know what day this. A weekday. We're doing some weekday after work. Almost ten o'clock. And uh, yeah, man, I'm feeling it, but. Uh, I'm here. I'm excited to talk about uh, today's episode. Yeah, me too.
0: So you know, before we get into that, I think you um you sent me something interesting yesterday. You sent me a link, or you sent me a name, a single name, a name that I've never heard of before. It, uh, how do you how do you pronounce it? Jidenna. Jidenna. I can't get it. Jidenna. J i d e n n a. Right. Yeah. Okay. Jidenna. It's this artist
1: that you. Um, I guess it's in your network or or what? Uh, I guess, loosely you could probably say that, but really it's just an artist I've been following. Okay, cool.
0: So I didn't know much about him. Apparently he's on Spotify and he he has a new album out. I think we were talking about this. Um, yeah, I, I trying to get me to listen.
1: Yes, that's what something. it was. Did you?
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, I did. That's why I'm bringing it up. So I wanted to. I I think I liked the whole flow of the album. Everyone. Well, not maybe not everyone who knows me, but a lot of people that know me know I'm I'm very kind of closed off musically, or I used to be. I'm open to a lot more now than I was. Which is
1: right. You're a bass ago. player, aren't you? Yeah. I feel like you'd be the most open to many genres of music because of bass and how how much that's in how much that influences so much.
0: Yeah, it does. It influences a lot. But you have a lot of those um, classical influences. is What I'm really into, like the bluesy stuff. Um, not a whole lot of jazz. But I've always wanted to play a stand-up bass. I thought that would be pretty interesting. But uh, pretty closed off in the you know the the rock the rock scene, rap and hip hop never really appealed to me. Hip hop did, and I guess this is kind of why I like this. It's not really rappy, rappy rappy. Do I sound white?
1: Sound like <laughs> it's not quite raps. It's not it's, it's not, not that singing songy. Yeah, it's not that uh hoppity hop
0: It has a story to it. It does. It really does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You <laughs> sound like the SNL uh, sweaty balls. Uh, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Really, you know when yeah. you when you taste the muffin, it's it's very moist. And, <laughs> no, I uh I really dug the album first first time through it. There were there was two songs that I was indifferent on, and really it was one song in particular. Because when I listen to an album, I'll listen to it once, and then I go into the repeat and kind of just zone out with the album. And there was one song that consistently took me out of that groove, and it. Really made me cognizant of like what am I listening to right now. Okay, and uh, with that with that aside, I really enjoyed the album. But in the second and third times around, when I start really breaking down like the lyrics, there was one song that really stood out to me today, and I actually tweeted about it. And and it was it was a song Bambi, and there was a line in there where he said he got an invitation from from her for her wedding, and I just thought about the idea of like I, a, a lot of my exes are either Engaged or are, are married? Okay, so Bambi's is his ex. Okay, not I the assume deer.
0: so in this story. Yeah, not the deer. Not the deer. <laughs> I thought it was the deer. I was like, Bammy, huh? Okay.
1: So his mom died <laughs> in the forest <laughs> by herself by a hunter. <laughs> wow, it's horrible. Um, but I I had never experienced that. And I've had friends that have actually gotten announcements or have been told that you know they're getting you know getting married, and this is pretty much the formal or a courtesy of letting you know that don't contact anymore, I don't want to pursue any type of relationship yeah, or connection with you, right? Yeah. I've never had that. Closure. I guess you call it closure.
0: Because sure. everything in your life is still kind of, it could potentially
1: uh, turn into something. It could, right? Because a lot of times, at least in my 20s, relationships with exes could at least come back to like a casual encounter, maybe flirt with a line of, maybe we will get back together, but probably not. Let's just enjoy this moment. Right. But yeah, I've never had i never had that moment. I just started thinking about it. even even like maliciously, like out of spite, receiving that from someone. Because I know I've sent some I've said some things to women that I probably shouldn't have said. Like I don't see myself marrying you, and that you know that's just it, brutally what about, what brutally about, honest. But yeah, what about
0: like don't make me take my pimp hand out? Have <laughs> you ever said that one? Uh, <laughs> let
1: me think. No.
0: <laughs> okay, I have. Really? No, I haven't. You're a liar. You have.
1: <laughs> you wouldn't have brought it up if you hadn't.
0: I love that line though. Yeah. Does Wayne Brady have to choke a bitch? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's two shows and two Dave
0: Chappelle references. Right. <laughs> so, so with that being said, like, does it kind of bring it full circle for you? Like maybe pose two different eventualities of what your life could have been and what your life is now? Do you ever think that that could have been you?
1: You know, I, yeah, I, I do. I, it's hard to admit it, but yeah, there's, there's those moments where it, putting myself in, in, that, in those shoes in that particular story of that song and Bambi, I have definitely thought about what if I, I would have just done something differently or what if I would have just changed this part of myself or what if I would have just, you know, reprioritized certain things in my life. Could it have worked? Could I have made a better attempt at this relationship? You know, or even even just like fast-forwarding all of that and just realizing they they moved on with their life and they're now getting married, and I'm just like, huh, that could have been us. But, but could it have? But yeah, but could it? Yeah, really? Yeah. You know, and you snap back out of it, like, no, no, maybe not. That's probably not. And, the-
0: and then and then the question becomes, why not? You know, like what about you couldn't have made that possible? What what about you? closed off that eventuality, right? And, and maybe you closed yourself off. Maybe you weren't able to, to compromise or, or uh, sacrifice enough for the relationship. Or, or maybe it was the other way around. But how, how do you have that presence of mind to identify what it was in retrospect?
1: You know, it's I don't, hard, do, you, right? do you ever go through the idea, not the idea, do you ever have conversations, or like play, play out potential conversations and like how they might go? Before, no, usually like in retro. Oh yeah, before too. But even like in retrospect, just like thinking of okay, had I said this differently, how might this played out?
0: When I know I'm going into an adversarial type of conversation, when I might have some resistance, I, I tend to play them out a little bit more than it when it's just casual and just shooting the shit, or maybe when it's a there's a little bit more on the line. Yeah, I, I tend to play it out and go through the different eventualities. But in retrospect. No, I don't really. I don't really hang on conversations too much. When the past is in the past, I tend to forget about it. Quite honestly.
1: Well, see, for me, I, I remember conversations, and I and I just think about things that were said, and how much truth was in it, and how much was you know fabricated, or how much was just said in the moment to either a make a point or b try to really convince me of something that I just wasn't able to fully believe. Sure. Right. And maybe you weren't really.
0: Taking the other person's emotions into consideration, you were just kind of thinking about yourself.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I probably was. I absolutely no, that's I absolutely was. I was being very selfish and guarded, which I don't think is a good thing to be in a relationship. You well, should. your pretty 20s, be. though. Yeah, it is my twenties, and my
0: twenties are a very selfish age.
1: Yeah, but this was also towards my my, my mid to late twenties, where ideally I should have already learned these lessons. But I think you know certain heartbreaks kind of put you back. A little bit when you're in new relationships and you gotta to learn to shed those things. And I was still learning to to shed the past pain and not let it affect my present, but that's neither here nor there on that one. What I was referring to was specific conversations, right? With with exes that I had about how I allocate my time. And we've talked about this before. The idea of did I make you feel like a priority in my life? Right. And would that change? with knowing how busy i am and how many different things i have going on as far as like work and career and and really taking into consideration like do i possess the ability to make that kind of change and be happy with it could i really realign what i value right you know when i was younger marriage and kids was at the top of my list okay number 1 as i got older that's kind of dropped down further and further on my list and you know relationship was important but it wasn't my end all be all existence. It was something I, I wanted to have and appreciate it and, and love having and enjoy experiencing. But it also career became very very important to me. And establishing myself and having a creative outlet became incredibly important to me. More more so than a relationship, huh? Is that and yeah, that I, might explain a lot actually. Well, it explains the last two years. Yeah, and <laughs> like no, what I've been
0: doing it explains a lot. Yeah.
1: Well, how does it explain a lot?
0: Well, no, you're exactly right because it puts into perspective exactly what your energy was going into, right? You weren't willing to compromise for the relationship and to give yourself that extra push in the relationship because you felt that other things took precedence. And that's fine. And then, you know, you're not able to identify the fact that maybe, you know, you weren't ready for it and you were trying to force the relationship because you felt it was a necessary evil. Maybe you should have just... Maybe you should have just shifted gears right there and then and said, you know what? I'm going to put relationships on a hold. Focus on me and better myself and then get
1: into that, right? Which is essentially what I've done over the last two years, right? Have no? You, <laughs> have you? That look, though? Jeez, man. That was sharp. It was. Cut, cut right through the air. It did. Like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I felt like when I was in my 20s, I was trying to balance and do it all right? I've been on one end of the spectrum where I didn't feel valued in relationship and then on the opposite end where the person I was with didn't feel valued. And I was trying to really find a middle ground and it just was not happening for
0: me. of course not. It's not going to because you're split. You're divided on what you prioritized. And you clearly just mentioned that you did not prioritize relationship. Therefore, you're not going to focus on that relationship wholeheartedly you're not going to put all that effort and the energy into it right
1: i know i said it but hearing you say it back to me i don't think i've ever said that out loud right? i didn't prioritize the relationship because i
0: felt like i did but, but it, from what it sounds like you you literally just said
1: yeah no i hear you i hear i hear what i said
0: dropped from like one two and, and you said marriage but i feel like that encompasses relationships in full dropped from the, I, I don't but we'll come back to
1: that Okay, I guess we'll adjust it now that you're looking at me crazy. Okay, so... No, no,
0: that's fine. We'll come back to it because okay. I got
1: a point that would... I, I feel like there is a difference between, between marriage and relationships because relationships are you still trying to figure out whether this is... <clears throat>
0: you're tapering down. You're going the pyramid, right? Okay. You start off with a wide base and you get to the top. and Which, That's your marriage. Marriage, correct. You have to get through the rough, the rough shit, right, in the base right. to
1: get all the way to the top of the pyramid. Right, and I right. wasn't sustaining through the rough shit to make it to the top you of the were pyramid.
0: Barely, you were barely at the fucking base because you didn't want to. You wanted to stay there, but you wanted that other person to stay there with you as well and fight through that whole that whole shit and eventually make it to the top together. But you're asking a lot out of someone else. You are asking them to compromise wholeheartedly, 100%, fully commit to you and your endeavors and your shit and focus and let you focus on yourself while putting the relationship on the back burner, which isn't fair
1: no no it's not
0: right so in in essence you are you weren't giving that other person an opportunity and maybe in the same breath they weren't giving you the opportunity as well and maybe they had their own shit they had their own set of priorities they wanted to start at the top right off the bat and that wasn't fair to you right yeah i I don't know the entire dynamics nor do i want to know but Regardless. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not the time or place right now. No, I know. But the whole thing is, it, it brings me back to, you know, tying it back into the record um, that, that we were referencing, uh, Jadenna's um, The Chief. I felt like it presented a different perspective for me, but in the same light, let me reflect on myself as a parent and as a husband, really, in, in essence. Because he focused on uh, a lot of the dynamics with his father. Yes, And, and yes. I think that you mentioned to me that his father had passed and this is his way of stepping into his, his own in the regards of um, he does not have that support system anymore. He's his own man, right? Right, yeah. And I felt like a lot of the songs on here harken back to that, um, that entire theme in the sense that he is remorseful and my, my thing about it was why do you always have to look at the past with such a heavy heart? Why don't you be an active participant of the present? And then I, I think about my parents, my own parents, right? My parents are divorced, and they've been divorced for quite some time. And for me, that transition uh, happened for me to step into my own when my parents got, you know, separated and, and and they said you know what we're this is the for the best of the family how old were you when that happened i was in college freshman uh freshman year maybe sophomore year
1: i don't remember did that did that affect you the same as you hear a lot of people going through it later in life uh, compared to like if it if you were younger and then you were also away from your parents when that happened yeah you know? i was at ucr yeah i was uh yeah so I think was that was that I... a mindfuck of sorts like knowing that your home is kind of dismantling and you're not there
0: yeah, well, that's exactly why I think I had to step up. Mm. And I, I had to feel kind of empowered. I had to support both parents emotionally because they were fragile, both of them. I mean, there's no denying that fact. Um, but, you know, it it wasn't about me. And I didn't make it about myself. It was never about me. My sister, on the other hand, you know, she was living at home. She was dealing with all the fallout. It was kind of about her in a lesser extent, but she was much younger. So she, she I don't feel like she ever coped with it but you know it's it's a different story for another time but going back to the the whole relationship dynamic and how it really played out was they had to sacrifice a lot for the family just to get to that point right to that point where they said you know what we're we're gonna you know go our own ways they had to sacrifice a lot up to that point and they also had to compromise a lot so kind of tying that back into your thought i i, I started to question like did my parents ever give themselves a chance to survive on their own uh, before the relationship? And I feel like at that point in time, when, when they're, you know, deciding to get married or whatnot, maybe they didn't have, uh, that option to develop the relationship and develop a, a good stream of, you know, this is you, this is me. And these are, you know, this is where we fit into the relationship. I felt like, you know, maybe they just rushed to the top,
1: and that's what I felt in like my last relationship. Just it was, she was so ready to just rush into marriage, and I, I'm, I'm the type to, not to say I want to test this shit out, but I feel like dating is a chance for you to really get to know each other before you go and commit to like that lifetime, lifelong thing, right?
0: I, and let me derail you for a little bit. I don't agree with that because everything changes when you get married. Does but it? It it okay. absolutely does. But go on, develop that further. Why do you feel like dating gives you that foundation?
1: But why does it change when you get married? Or why do you think it changes when when you get married?
0: I feel why that is is primarily because the dynamic between the two partners changes. There's a lot more skin in the game now. And I think we've touched on this a little bit. Everything is magnified like a hundred times. Everything that you do, every dollar that you spend, every... Word that you say every everything,
1: but isn't it, that discussed while you're dating though? Like as you get to a point where you know that okay, this is I think this could be it. We're gonna go to the next <laughs> next. It should bit. be.
0: How often? How have you discussed these fucking topics with uh, someone that you're in a relationship with?
1: Often. Well, the last the last relationship I was in. Often?
0: Yeah. Really? We every would, relationship? Yeah. Well, no. Maybe that's why definitely.
1: you haven't. <laughs> i was like that's how you view things i don't think this is gonna work (laughs) no well the last relationship she she would harp on me about like we've never even talked about finances finances and talking about uh you know buying a house together this and that but she was the one that wanted to get married yeah she was okay but we had that conversation multiple times and i even you know i would tell her this is how much i make this is how much i'm able to afford this is what we could do and then oh now it all makes sense and then we get. Why does it make sense? What what makes sense? Are you just fucking with me now? I'm just fucking with you. Uh, of course, <laughs> trolling. <laughs> what a dick. And and then you know, three four months down the line, we we get derailed, so to speak, and and she would say you know how serious are you really about this because we've never even had the conversation i was like we just had check you know check the transcript we probably had this conversation in google chat and in person so it's Did probably- you
0: did you take your stenographer everywhere with you i mean they're critical you have to have the stenographer wherever you go in a relationship Siri is amazing Siri is I'm your kidding. stenographer <laughs> I'm talking about a little woman on a typewriter. Of- <laughs> Imagine.
1: Oh, Olga. Yeah,
0: <laughs> she's in the car right now, waiting. Right, keep the engine running, Olga. <laughs> We're almost done here. <laughs> that was three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, in all seriousness, when you have a, a, when you're in a relationship that has that elevated expectation, like a marriage. You kind of need to be conscious of what you say and what you do and how you approach everything, because even if you talk about that kind of stuff in a relationship, it's not just talk anymore.
1: it's reality. And that's a hard thing for people to understand. I do get caught up in that. I do get caught up in the fantasy of things and what it could be. everybody does. Oh, okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I, I do I could daydream a lot about like, oh the, the potential of this could be great. I'm and, still fucking daydreaming. Because I remember, I remember distinctly having a conversation with one of my exes. Uh, this was after we had broken up. And then when we were talking about maybe getting back together. And we were talking about you know the potential of us on paper. is just so amazing. And then three months later, it was like, okay, we're done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether or not you felt like you were done. You were done before you even started that conversation.
1: What do you mean? Because you were caught up in the fantasy. I was, but the reality of it, or me realizing or connecting the dots, didn't catch up for a few months. You didn't even need to
0: connect the dots to know that it wasn't going to work out a second time. Things fail for a reason.
1: Yeah, and then when I'm on my own, thinking about what could have been, or maybe if I just change this, or if we try this differently, or we, you know, realign our 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 what we're willing to compromise, it could work. But the change needs to be,
0: the change needs to be real. If it's not real, it's not going to actually affect who you are as a person. It's going to be fake, and it's going to fall apart because it
1: has no foundation. Which is what happened in my last relationship. I definitely went through that, where we talked about things that we needed to change, and this is how, this is how we find success together, and we didn't implement those things. How much of that mentality
0: is driven by what society dictates as necessary, right? the pressures that, that you feel maybe to conform to a certain
1: expectation or a certain standard. You know, it's, it's tough to say this now because she turned 30 before I did and she was, she was feeling those pressures and I, I just didn't really empathize with her and I, and I didn't get it until I turned 30 and I reached out to her on my 30th birthday and just like, yo, I completely understand where you're coming from.
0: What are you trying to do though? Like a mea culpa or a
1: no, she had just reached out and said happy birthday, and I said thanks, and I was like, hey, you know, I was a little extra emotional today, and I kind of... You don't respond to that
0: without an ulterior motive. What was the ulterior motive? There was an ulterior motive. So you got emotional at 30 and... I just got emotional. I was sharing. Yeah. Hmm. Not like a, hey, what are you up to right now? Come on over. No, I didn't. Really?
1: Yeah. Okay. So, nine that, months later, I did. That,
0: <laughs> so, there was an ulterior motive. Not and at was, that time. You're in,
1: you're in for the long con. The long con, not the uh, short the con. Long, I had to long play it. Nah, fam. Yeah. No, I was not. It. <laughs> it took a lot of time and reflection before I actually did that. Okay. So, then it's it still, you didn't answer the question.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. The pressure that you felt to conform, to, to maybe change, to modify that mentality that you had before to readjust and reevaluate where you were in the relationship? How much of that was just like a desperation plea? Like, okay, please, let's see if maybe this one last chance, maybe we can get it to work out. How about I do this and this and this and this? You were willing to compromise, right? You were willing to change. Yeah. But in actuality, was that the right decision? No. And how much of that was driven by society? No. And, And just the pressure that you felt to need to maybe have someone in your life.
1: I think on her end, she might have felt that more than I did. And the things that she said when we were breaking up were along those lines of it felt very much like the, the idea that, you know, I'm turning 30 and I'm still not married was kind of really setting in. For her? Was, yeah, it was really setting for her. And for me, I've never really had that kind of perspective. And I arguably don't have it now. This idea that I, if I don't find love now, I'm, I'm never going to find love. That's good. But you're a guy. It's different for it's, a guy. It is different for a guy. And it's definitely different when you're in your 30s, whether you're a guy or a girl. I think some, of the, some people start to feel it, whether you're a guy or a girl, feel it more once you've hit 30. But I was in my 20s. I was in my late 20s, so I was still really just holding on to it. And you know, even at 29, I was like, 30 isn't a big deal. Uh, you're, you're tripping out for no reason. But I, I was a little more stubborn. And I already had made the decision for myself as to like where I stood, what I was willing to compromise and not compromise anymore. Cause there were certain things in our relationship that I just was like, ah, could I live with this forever? Could I? And, and Cliff used to really call me out. He's like, you need to stop talking like that. You need to stop assessing every little thing. Cause I did that for like, uh, the girl I was with, I did with pancake a lot, <laughs> mm. too much actually. And then I might've been a little more hypersensitive with my last girlfriend and thinking about certain things like is this really a deal breaker for me? No. Could I live with this? Yeah. Mm, okay. That's fine. Not a big deal. Move but on.
0: you're approaching it from from your standpoint as the boyfriend, not from her standpoint and how it affects her and how the change will affect you both. Yeah. It was... Looking at it from a very singular perspective. Singular and selfish perspective. And selfish. Yeah. Right. So that takes me back to the whole thing with my parents and taking that idea and using that as a template for maybe what not to do in my relationship, right, in my marriage. And approaching things selfishly is not conducive to a relationship. I don't know if that's a very obvious thing for a lot of people in committed relationships.
1: When you say selfishly, does that mean coming in on a defensive, trying to overprotect yourself, or selfishly as in you're trying to impose your desires and hopes or thoughts of a future onto your partner? I think it's the
0: former and not the latter. Um, Primarily because you can't decide for someone else what the direction of the relationship is going to be. You have to decide on that together. And if it's not, and this is the thing about relationships, that if there's not a collective agreement between the two there's not going to be that feeling of yeah, I'm in this with the other person, like we're in it together. It's just like, oh, it's me and him, and and that's it. There's no, there's no real union. But in, a, in a relationship, there should be. And I'm not saying all relationships should be this way from the get go because they're not going to be. This something that, this is definitely something that gets developed. But relationships should, in essence, embody the mentality that we're in this for each other and not I'm in this for me and, and I'm getting what I get out of this and you're in this for you and you're getting what you get out of this because it's not how you so, build.
1: So not not a uh, a Frank Underwood approach?
0: Not a season four Frank Underwood. Maybe like a season two, season three, where he was kind of getting into stride, going for president and all that. Uh, maybe.
1: Maybe. I, I think it's debatable, but let's go ahead and move on from that one. Anyway. <laughs> so – Uh, The selfish approach in a relationship, it it
0: isn't sustainable. It can only work for a certain amount of time. And I think that we are, as millennials, as two dudes in their 30s, okay? It's weird. As two dudes in our 30s breaking down the relationship approach, I think it's important to understand that we are systematically... Breaking that notion as a more self aware generation. We are a little bit more sensitive to our environment, our environmental stimulus, stimuli. And with that being said, I think we're kind of going against that notion of, okay, now that we're in our 30s, we've shed that whole selfish 20s, it's all about me. For the
1: most part, most people. Because there's yeah. still that transitional period of people trying to figure it out and still doing the things that they used to do. Uh, and ideally, not ideally, in some cases it's just it's no longer working for them and they're getting wise to the maturity that needs to happen. I, I would think that that transition needs to happen
0: quickly because if that's the mentality that you possess and other people around you are evolving and capable of encompassing more of a uniform approach to a relationship that embodies both hopes and dreams and desires and wants and likes and dislikes and whatnot. If you're still behind in that mentality, you're never going to find someone. It's going to get, maybe not never, but it's going to get increasingly difficult for you to find the right person unless you're willing to make that change and approach things from a different
1: light. Or you have people that are making decisions out of desperation and going into bad situations, cycle keeps repeating and there's, there's no improvement, right? They, they, at a certain point in your 30s, and I know some guys that are like this that make decisions out of desperation or for like an, uh, a fear of, of being alone. They make bad decisions on, on the partners that they choose and end up getting the short end of the stick, right? Because they made too many compromises in what they were looking for, what they wanted in a partner, just to satisfy having a partner rather than finding the partner that's probably best for them or meant for them or however you want to phrase it. Overcompensating. Yeah, that's a, that's a, big, yeah, that's a big one. And
0: I, it doesn't necessarily have to happen at the beginning of a relationship. It can happen at any point in time throughout the relationship. Case in point, when Anna and I were shopping for a house, our realtor, great guy, would always use this one quote that pissed me off. And I've heard it from several other people ever since. But he was the first one to really use it and put it into perspective when we were shopping for the house. You would say, happy wife, happy life.
1: <laughs>
0: Absolutely despise that. I was like, no, this shit's about both of us. It's about both of us. But my wife was, no, he's right. Happy wife, happy life. You keep me happy, you'll be happy. That's a cop-out. Why? It's like I'm sacrificing everything that I hold true just to make you happy. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut just so that you're happy. How is that fair to me? How is that like a a partnership? So, uh, you said that it used to irk you. Now it doesn't? Listen, then this is where we went. So, you know what? I said, fuck it. Let me try this. (laughs) Okay. Let me try this shit. Let me keep my mouth shut. And let me just let her have her way. Okay? And, and, And we've since talked about this, and I brought it up to her before. And she made all the decisions for our house. I let her go at it. I said, you know what, baby? We bought the house. It we, Literally, I, I know you know the story, but our listeners might not know the story. This was not, the home that we're in was not our our the home that we wanted. It was just kind of like, ah, oh, toss up, here's a hope and a prayer. Let's let's try and buy it. And we got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated the house. It was a terrible house, but we gutted the entire thing and we did it the way that we wanted to. And now it's our home, right? And, mm-hmm. and it feels like a home and I love it. But- I let her do everything. I let her decide the paint, the countertops, the tile, the trim, the crown molding, the baseboards, the door, the French doors, everything. Really? She decided everything. I gave her the options and she
1: picked. I would have thought that happy you- Happy wife, happy life. With the gray ceilings or gray walls or that like blue tint with- All the her. Red leather couch. All her. I thought that was like a last minute chance for you to hold on to your bachelor lifestyle with a red leather couch. No, it's a good contrast, I think. No, it is a nice contrast with the fact that, okay, well, anyway. I, I, I grew to love the
0: couch, but I think it was a, that might have been the only one where we, where we agreed collectively on it. But I let her pick everything. I said, you know what? Let her have it. And if, and this was the fucked up part. And I realized this, you know, a while into you know, our, our stint here at the house. This was her and me trying to sort out, the different roles in the relationship. And this was me letting her essentially fail. Oh, oh may, maybe not. Maybe, you know, I so was pretty fully, It was. She was fully capable of making her own decisions. And I, quite honestly, couldn't care less what she picked because I had the utmost of confidence in her decision-making abilities as a grown adult, as, as someone with taste and, and preference. Every day, she finds something that she did wrong, though and she is her harshest critic i set her up to decide on her own and essentially i set her up for failure <laughs> because i i knew that about her i knew i knew that she was always going to second guess herself and she needed the support she needed the encouragement that i didn't give her right and and certain things she wanted to change, and she was like, well, I wish you would have given me input here and all that. And I was like, you know what? I let you make your own decisions, and you have to live with the that decision in the end. Show her that it wasn't about happy wife, happy life. It's about mm. happy you, happy me, and then we have a happy fucking life, right? That <laughs> that phrase is so fucking dated, and it pissed me off. I was trying to prove a point. Maybe I went about it in the wrong way. No, not maybe. I did go about it in the wrong way. I was going to say, it, <laughs> right? it's pretty... Uh, Malicious. Hindsight's twenty twenty, Always. And we've since talked about this and we've discussed it. And, and you know, she brings up the a, a lot of different, I'm not going to go into the specifics of what she brings up about the house that, you know what, she kind of shoves it in my face. I, I throw it right back at her. She's like, you know what, I, it might not have been right for me to do that, but I need you to realize the fact that both of our decisions weigh very heavily on the Overall happiness of this relationship. It's not about one singular compromise or one point of compromise from one individual in a relationship. A long about way of me saying that relationships are about collective compromise right? Mm-hmm. It's not about being desperate and trying to throw up a hope and a prayer and say, oh, maybe if I change this about myself and this about myself and that, and maybe if I do this differently, or maybe if we get a new car or have kids or something like that, something's going to change. It's not about that. It's yeah. not about compromising from a singular perspective. Yeah, It's about a joint initiative to try and tackle the root of the problem, which is there is some kind of disagreement here and we need to fucking sort it out.
1: So how does this all relate to now you love the idea of happy wife happy life? I don't necessarily love it. <laughs> so no change, no, no change. <laughs> no, 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 this is the thing. I
0: phased it out. I haven't grown to love it. I've grown to I, I've grown away from it. Right? I've grown up and and I've been able to identify that it's not about that and I've actually brought her into the fray and I've brought her around to realize that, yes, we need to make compromises collectively, right, together. And that's why I I don't necessarily not like it. I love it. I love the fact that it's still around and people use it all the time, and I laugh at people when they say it. It's like, you're a fool. You don't know what the fuck a relationship is about. Happy wife, happy life. You keep your wife complacent just so that you could go ahead and do whatever the fuck you want to do. You don't have a healthy relationship. You don't have a partnership. You have whatever the fuck you want to call it, but it's not a fucking partnership, and it's probably going to fail. It's not about happy wife, happy life. You keep your fucking wife happy, but you keep yourself happy at the same time. Because if you're not happy, what are you going to do? You're going to go looking for someone else to to to
1: fulfill you. I don't know, man. I think you take it a little too literal, I, where no, she eh. is the owner of all that is you know your happiness, and I don't think that's true. I think the point of that phrase or that saying is that. To remind you that you putting your woman first will then in turn help her to remind her to put you you first. Then just fucking say that. No, but that's, my mom told me from a young age that that a man has to be a little more in love with the woman than the woman is with the man. Because a man falls out of love a lot quicker than a woman, right? So with that kind of perspective, the man probably needed a little more of a reminder that, you know, remember, put your wife first kind of deal. So you put your wife first, she'll put you first, and it's a continuous cycle of giving. I think it all boils down to how you define love, right? Yeah.
0: I guess it comes back to the whole compromise thing. And maybe it was my way of having her compromise what she thought is conventional, right? Which is, you take care of me and I'll take
1: care of you. Right. To more of a... Because did you take it as like, you have to put your woman on a pedestal, your wife on a pedestal, and you you know, everything you do revolves around her. She's a center of your universe kind of deal. Is that what you took And, and it?
0: she's kind of
1: like, you know, she
0: will dispense upon you the happiness and joy as she pleases kind right. of thing. And well, that's, that's very one-sided. It is very one-sided. And that saying to me is very one-sided. How do you find love? I find love in more of a joint approach to thing, in, in a more collective approach to, to relationship. And not a singular, you take care of me and I'll take care of you. That's not what we need to achieve, that sounds like a quid quo pro kind of deal. And it's not necessarily the approach that a relationship should have. There shouldn't be that one-sided compromise where you need to give and they need to take and then they give back what they feel like giving back.
1: Yeah, but that's also what you're putting onto it. That's how you're perceiving happy wife, happy life. That's all one-sided. How do you perceive it? I already told you how I perceive it. I don't necessarily think
0: that that's the way that... Still, you're you're not understanding what you're saying is coming back to the whole thing is still a quid-goal pro. You put her on a pedestal, she'll take care of you. That's something you put in to get something out. There shouldn't be, oh, I need to put something in. So you're saying
1: more so like selfless? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, I get that.
0: Right? You're putting someone else before your needs, but you should both, I mean, your nurturing and your care and your love, okay, should be enough to reciprocate the same equal value or greater <laughs> right? yeah. of love and, and affection and compassion. But in
1: most cases, it doesn't. Well, that's, that's where Happy wife, happy life is, is just a reminder of sorts that, yeah, you put your wife first without the expectation of she's going to put you first. That, no, is, I, that is an I, assumption going into a relationship. I wholeheartedly expect that. Well, how can you have an expectation and not want it to be quid pro quo? Not following you think both people should be putting into the relationship, but you should. You also think it should be selfless. That you can't have both. It's either both people are going to be putting into it—that's an expectation—or you're giving selflessly, which is reminding you that happy wife is happy life. No, you I give selfless, selflessly. But I didn't. But I didn't. Me.
0: But I didn't say selfless. I disagree with the selfless approach.
1: Oh, I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah, well, that's the whole point of me disagreeing with happy wife, happy life, because that is the selfless approach. It's like I don't worry about me. I don't matter. You matter, and by me disregarding myself and putting your priorities before mine,
1: you will maybe you know throw me a bone here. Or there, no, that's that's definitely an extreme. It is not all up to her. What do you mean? You have, the choice, going, you have the choice to stay. You have the choice to stay in a relationship. You have the choice to stay in a relationship. Yes, you have the choice to stay in a relationship. If she is not taking care it's of you, too late. Well, yeah, in marriage, that's what dating is for. You figure that out then. You treat that as Everything a, changes. How does it change? The how does it all of a sudden that she no longer wants to take care of you like she did when you were dating? You the think, reason It's being, almost like you're getting bamboozled once you get married. Not necessarily. The emotions and the
0: expectations change and if they're not able to keep up with the other person's expectations, then you're going to fall behind. You're going you're to feel like you're getting left behind when in essence, you're leaving yourself behind. When you have more skin in the game, it's a little bit more serious. And I say this to everyone. When you're dating, shit doesn't matter. You can leave. You can fly off the you can fly off tomorrow and no one's gonna Oh. Well, that sucks. Oh, I guess I gotta move on now. There's gonna be a little bit of heartbreak. I exaggerated a little bit. That is incredibly exaggerated. It depends on the severity of uh, or it depends on the, you know, relative intimacy. But they're going to get over you eventually, and they're going to move on. They're going to find someone else.
1: Although and, I don't agree with this. Uh, the same could be said about your spouse.
0: If a divorce were the thing, but I don't. There's think, a lot more on the line with divorce and all that. Just the word. Just the word is so, it has such a negative connotation. Oh, yeah, we broke up versus, oh, yeah, we got divorced. Whoa. It's a magnitude of 100. How? Why? Do you tell me? It's societal. Is it? I
1: wholeheartedly believe so. I I, I believe that... Because I get it from the perspective of divorce could be a cop-out in the marriage, right? Because you didn't want to put in the work, so to speak. But there's also for people that may have made a bad decision that probably shouldn't have gotten married to begin with. Yeah, but when you say divorce, people don't go there automatically. People go there as like,
0: oh, well, you failed at a relationship. Whether or not you actually did, there's a preconception that you don't, you can't maintain a relationship, so you had to take the easy way out. You don't, you didn't want to work on it. That's it. And from a married perspective, when we're in the shit and currently going through it and fighting for our relationship and, and working everything out, we look at a divorced couple and we're like, "Yeah, yeah, no, they took the easy way out." But that's kind of judgy, right? It is because like, oh, what about people that are them? in abusive, you know, marriages or relationships? Oh, that goes without saying that that you know there is an implicit, um understanding behind that that that's perfectly completely different situation and if you knew that situation it's fine and most people would know i think if you had friends and stuff like that who are going to you know pass judgment because it's what friends do no matter what you say they pass judgment yeah um they'll know that but if they don't and you don't give them the opportunity to know or you don't, you know, you don't identify with them enough to care to tell them, yeah, they're going to pass the wrong kind of judgment on you. Mm. But in the end, whatever it may be, whatever your capacity is as a human being to love or show compassion or understanding toward another individual, you weren't able to complete your end of the bargain one way or another. And this goes back to your relationship. Um, your the foundations of your relationships i should say right a lot of your introspective has been centered about around what the other person did and a little bit of that uh, not to discredit you entirely because you okay. have done a lot of self reflection so hold on yeah right <laughs> I, I could already tell you're staring in your chair like this motherfucker <laughs> like don't you dare <laughs> a lot of your reflection has come uh has been weighted heavily on what the other person contributed to the relationship rather than what you contributed to the relationship and how you could have evolved that perspective and that, and that mentality. And maybe you felt like you did, but this conversation early on took a completely different tone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There were, there were times where with going back to pancake, right? I remember the first time I did, uh, intensive meditation and it was, and that's when I was talking about, I think back in our first episode when it was like a an out-of-body experience where I could really get above my problems and see the issues that were, were causing us, um, I don't want to say causing us pain, but the, the conflict in our relationship. And I could see a lot of my role in it. And I was like, oh, if I just change this or if I just fix this, that could have completely changed the tone and dynamic of our relationship. And that's where the whole comeback tour, as Cliff liked to call it, came into play. And I, was, and I reached out to her and I was like, I, I understand where you're coming from, I see where I went wrong and how I could have been different in these situations and in these moments. Let's revisit this. Let's try this again. Obviously, that didn't work and it was other factors, but that was the first time I really took the introspective look on myself and like what was my contributions to the demise of this relationship. And some people in the end can't, can't do that. At least
0: you had the presence of mind to do that. And that says a lot about you and your growth in your 30s. As an individual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that also goes into the idea of, of I refuse to settle. And I, I think that could come off as a bit arrogant um, to some extent because I feel like, okay, this isn't meant for me or I, I can get better or do better. The millennial mentality. Very much so, right? But if I go through a relationship or have turmoil in a relationship, I do start to think, like I said before, it's one of two things. Either A, can I do, put up with this for the rest of my life? Is this something that I'm willing to accept? Or B, there has to be something better. This, this isn't love. This isn't where I should be right now. And
0: it all goes back to whether or not you've actually put forth that effort to make it so that that relationship could work.
1: Yeah. And I, now that you mentioned that and thinking about the growth that I've had over the years, I completely understand what you're talking about, how things change. But I would hope that things change in a marriage for the better. Because every, every relationship I've had, I've obviously grown and gotten better at what I'm doing. Yeah, I, I hope. You don't sound so confident. No, I, oh, I, okay. I, I
0: very much see that, that growth and development, especially the fact that we talk about this a lot so often. But marriages change everything. They do. And, you know, hopefully you meet that, the right person and... You know, hopefully you're there right now and, and you can take all the lessons that you've learned and apply them and see how they work Yeah, and maybe have that open dialogue and be able to really express yourself and figure out what you want. Because in my opinion, that transition from your 20s to your 30s and how the mentality has grown to be more more risk-averse and avoid failure, in essence – Right now in our 30s, we're trying to build and develop and grow and make it more of a conscious effort to better ourselves. Well, most of us are, right? Mm-hmm. And we've we've discussed this. And the people that don't, I feel, are only setting themselves up to fail. They're stuck in their 20s and they're like, you know what, I'm not going to change. I'm going to find someone that's right for me because there has to be someone out there, right? And that's completely a failure's mentality.
1: So I feel like it there's a societal pressure for you to kind of like hurry up and make this decision and people are going in a lot they're going in hot right like oh this is this is gonna be i'm 30 this is about the time Uh i gotta make this decision now whether this is the person and i feel like that's where people start to settle because like okay well i'm 30 now this this is checking off most of the boxes you can't become more selective as you get older at least by societal standards Because that means there's either something fundamentally wrong with you or there's something whatever about you not being able to find love, you know, at a younger age, you know, and I think that's where this whole settling comes into play. I also think it could be
0: cultural. Oh, how? Well, in a lot of the Middle Eastern cultures and a lot of the ethnic cultures, you know, it's the tradition that, oh, you know what, my parents got married at 20 and I'm 30 and what the fuck?
1: Oh, yeah, but now you're talking about like millennial culture and how our lives were kind of uh, not say derailed, but they were postponed, so to speak, in comparison to when, when our parents started their journey towards marriage and yeah. relationships. Yeah, a lot of that has to deal with that. But
0: yeah, I, I think there are a lot of elements that factor into why we settle. I, I still stand firm by my belief that I think settling is essentially kind of, you highlighted this as well. It, concisely speaking, it is a failure's mentality. You have failed yourself or you have failed the other person. Because you're not willing to address the things that are really deeply rooted into your decision as to why you're doing what you're doing. Settling, right? lowering the bar, lowering your expectations. Why would you ever shortchange yourself? right? You're failing yourself. Don't ever do that to yourself. Because that's how you end up getting divorced. That's how you end up destroying something that could have potentially been something really good. Set the bar high for yourself. Set the bar high for your partner and meet or exceed those expectations for one another. And that's where it comes like that whole going back to happy wife, happy life. It's not about one person. It's about each other. It's about how can I help you and how can you help me? symbiotic.
1: It's reciprocation. But just to play devil's advocate, where's the line of not settling versus uh, what you want is not going to match up to reality of what there is? I don't believe that you can never achieve what you
0: want to believe. I think you get in your own way. Mm -hmm. If you want to get somewhere, you will get there. And that's the thing that people don't realize. It takes me back to that movie with Justin Timberlake, and it's In Time. (laughs) I did,
1: did, and I liked that
0: movie. I love that movie. It's a great movie. I think Justin Timberlake is a great actor. (laughs) Knocked it out of the park. (laughs) I will leave that up to the listeners to decide whether or not I'm being sarcastic, but it was a good movie. And the one thing that really breaks my heart about that movie is it paints life in such a singular light that you are predisposed. You cannot, you know, you're, you're stuck and the system is rigged against you. I believe wholeheartedly that you could do whatever you want to do no matter what. And the scope of what you can do is relative. And the empowerment that you get from your partner, your significant other, makes all the difference.
1: I think you're correct in certain aspects, but there are certain limitations in life that put you at a starting point that's significantly further back than other people. Doesn't mean you can't catch up? Doesn't mean you can't catch up, but it just means that there's going to be a lot more work to be done. And that's just an unfair advantage. And that's also why it takes a little bit longer for Uh you to get there. Yeah, sure.
0: And some people might get discouraged along the way. Oh, absolutely. And some people might weed themselves out. But that's what makes success so sweet when you get there. And that's what makes it so... I guess, so pristine in the sense that not everyone can get there. Not everyone is set up for that. Maybe not everyone wants to get there.
1: But that that just sounds, like, it just you're talking, that just sounds like you're talking career and not even relationships and love. That's Every, just, everything. That's just called not everyone gets there. Not everyone gets there in a relationship. How much fucking divorce do we have, dude? Yeah, but I mean, we, okay. I understand that. There are
0: a lot of failed relationships out there. So... Not everyone gets there is harsh. Society is fucking harsh. The world is harsh. The fact that people don't want to put forth the effort to make it a complete 100% you know what? I gave it my all. I couldn't do it. That's it.
1: I'm out. Well, no. You're talking some people don't get there ever is how I took that. Yes. Just because if you got there and you got married, you got there. If it didn't work, okay, well, that wasn't it. That. But did you really get there? You I would, got there on false pretenses. I would argue that you did at least get there.
0: Yeah. I don't. I don't think... Yeah okay, um, I ran a marathon and I finished you know dead last. Well, at least he got there. I don't believe in that mentality. Why? I hate that mentality. It's like oh yeah, in uh, basketball leagues nowadays, you know, with the kids and all, uh, soccer and, and football and all that, participation trophies for everyone. When the fuck did that become a thing? No, you finish first. You are you're, fir-
1: you're either first or you're last, rookie Bobby. That doesn't make any sense. There's second, <laughs> there's third, hell, no, there's fifth. No, and you can still get paid off of being in fifth. It, Even the last awful. person on a golf tour gets paid. Yeah, they it may do. not get the most, you're but they're getting right.
0: paid. Yeah, they're getting paid. You're absolutely right. That's not how
1: relationships work because you don't get paid. I just if wanted, you wanted fail. to debunk what you're talking about. That's all. You don't get paid if you fail. In, you get paid in, in, in experience, and you get to move forward and, and and better your experience for the moving. You future. can also
0: argue that you have moved forward. But have you actually learned something? Now, not everyone that, learns something. That
1: is true, yeah. Okay?
0: And a lot of people just say, okay, you know what? Maybe that didn't work out. I'll just settle for the next thing that comes along just to kind of get by. And that's it. And then you end up settling for the rest of your life, placating, 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 and you're dead. That's, where it, that's, that's what it becomes in the end. I think that some people just get so burnt out that they felt like they gave, gave 100%, but in reality, they didn't they
1: maybe lied or cheated themselves but maybe they just didn't know what their hundred was maybe they gave right. the best they made the new their house. hundred was 70 no maybe. oh shit no. <laughs> we got it no. back we're bringing no. it back no, right maybe,
0: maybe their 100 was 70 then they don't know got how percentages drop. Like. i can't drop this mic cuz it's too expensive but
1: mic drop okay. imagine i did here mic drop all right well that's this is what i'm calling out for the listeners oh. i need i need someone to, drop. to someone <laughs> Shoot us an email, send us a message. Let me know your thoughts on what what settling in a relationship means to you, how you've dealt with it, if you've dealt with it, what your thoughts are on getting into relationships later in life, if you're currently dating, how you're approaching it. I want to know, and I want you to help me put Turg in his place. So (laughs) podcast at talk32me.com. Am I the... uh, the enemy here.
0: Is that, I mean, the cynic, uh, for sure. Really, is what I'm saying so fucking far-fetched? It's not. It really isn't. But the romanticized version of love is that, oh, it's, it's, it's fucking hearts and flowers and bouquets of roses every week. It's fucking not. It's not. It's piss, shit, blood, sweat, tears, and vomit. I mean, yeah, when you have kids. No, I'm talking about having an alcoholic for a significant other, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, in reality a relationship is a lot more complex than what we what we're groomed to understand because you got Hollywood, you got Hallmark, you got all these constructs. Oh, absolutely. Set up to give you this, "Oh, yes,
1: the unrealistic the expectation. The unrealistic
0: expectation. Absolutely. Of what love really is and it isn't. Love is deep. It is compassionate. It goes beyond any emotion because emotions are essentially what we make them. And love transcends all of that because love is developed. It is groomed. It is cultured. It is grown, right? And emotion kind of just happens. It's a, it's a knee-jerk reaction kind of thing. But love is greater. And I wholeheartedly believe that if you're willing to grow and, and learn and explore different avenues of yourself and your significant other and communicate, you can transcend any obstacle in your lives
1: okay i want to end it on before we go i want to end on one last question do you think love is a choice or a decision that you make absolutely yes and the reason being you have to work at it yeah
0: you choose whether or not you want to put that effort into it you choose whether or not you want to invest in it and like like it goes back to that whole success thing success in career success in relationship it all parallels
1: on the same level. How much are you willing to commit to it? Absolutely. Yeah, I fall on the same line. I do believe that. I believe there is an emotional tie to it. But with, without a promise, without a decision to consistently, you know, choose for every day or leave her kind of deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a, there's no significance to, to vows. What's the point of promising to be with someone forever if you're not going to choose to do that? Quick side note. I agree with that article and I disagree with it
0: because you should also choose him every day or leave him. I have not read the article, but you are really... uh, I'm very much about the collective and not the individual because it takes two to fucking tango. I like that one more than Happy Wife, Happy Life. It takes two to tango. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live my life
1: and everything I do on that note uh, with that mentality. Well, on that, we'd love to keep this conversation going. If you guys want to connect with us, Turg, where can the people find you? The people can find me at turg says No on Twitter and Instagram. And Randy, where can they find you? Anywhere and everywhere at IamRandyZ. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure
0: you stop by our website at Talk30toMe.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes, and if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk Theory to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace.
1: It really, I don't know why I find it so disgusting that you just put your food on the table. <laughs> like, no napkin, no plate. It's just there. And that's where your daughter threw up earlier. It's my daughter, man. Disgusting. You poop here and I'll probably eat. All of oh my. No. No. <laughs> I am not ready to be a father.
0: <laughs> I used to be um, very, like, uh, off put by gross things. Not when it comes to the kids. Except Ace sometimes he's, like, her Like, right here. I'm like, dude, you are disgusting. You tell him that? He's, like, disgusting.
1: <laughs> like, uh, you're my kid. Horrible. Alright, let's go. Dude, that was our entire style. I was right, re- I was, We were already in it. Oh, okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Now that can be a intro. Alright. What's going on, man? How are you? Really?
0: Are you doing that? Okay, so, you, it's funny. Uh, Yeah, we just literally sat, we just opened up our laptops, put down the mics, but we're just now talking for the very first time today. So how are you?
1: <laughs> What's no, wrong man, with We've it? been talking
0: for like fucking three, four hours already. So? <laughs> and now we're recording. So how are you, Rick?
1: I was better until that comment. <laughs> had to bring the wind out of my cell. You gotta keep him down. <laughs> Why? Let All me. Right. Let me be great. So, okay, how do you want to snipe?
0: I know. I got an idea. All
1: right. Hey, Randy, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> you're such an asshole. <laughs> but I'm doing all right, man. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so on paper. You're so amazing. And then three months later, it's like, okay, we're done.
0: <laughs> 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 Let's cut this out. That sounded like you just finished on her belly. <laughs> it's like, I'm done. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You're good? I'm good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, belly, out, King. <laughs> How do you know my spot? <laughs> Red right
0: the belly yeah. button. It's like a shock blast.
1: You need to hear what we left off. <laughs> yeah.